What's up, mob? It's your girl T, and we're back for another episode of Mob Talk. I hope you guys are staying safe and celebrating one of the greatest weeks of the year, NAIDOC Week. And for this NAIDOC Week, the theme is Hill Country. Now, this theme is quite special to all Aboriginal people, I would say, because of our strong connection to country. And I was lucky enough to go back home onto my country, the richer country, earlier this year with my grandmother, my pop, my nana and the rest of my family. So we were out in our homelands and I was lucky enough to record two episodes for you all. First episode being a little bit about our history and the second having some really great stories in it. So I hope you guys enjoy the episodes. Welcome back to Mob Talk with Talia Little. Nana Lorraine, I see you trying to dodge me. <laughs> good thing is, good thing is, um, this thing is mobile, so I just come chase ya. So Nana Lorraine, yes, Talia. where are you from? What's your mob? My mob's Aranda mob from yeah. Take that. Say it again, sorry. Arundel Mob from Ranella Springs. Mm-hmm. I'm not um, 100% sure. My grandfather then Walkington passed many years before I was born. So back in the day, people didn't worry too much about your connections and kin. You know, like some people didn't think that way, that down the track, you know. Um yeah, he was a horseman, drover. Soldier? Soldier. He fought in Malaysia and that's where he might have got sick and he came back from the war and he passed away in 1953 in Adelaide. Mm-hmm. So he's a long way from country, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, Anzac Day's coming up. Do you feel on Anzac Day you acknowledge him and you think about... All the black soldiers that went away? Yeah, the black soldiers and my white dad, he was also a Korean vet. So we've seen him over the years marching with his medals and um, so that's really how we got into it. But I, a couple of years ago, wrote to the um, Canberra and I got my grandfather's army records. Wow. And we didn't have too many photos of him, so there's a tiny little black and white photo which um, sort of gives you an insight into what he looked like and that type of thing. Back in the day, like, um, there were a couple of other photos, but, um, you know, get, got lost along the way when you move house. And mm-hmm. there were eight of us kids and we'd get into the tins of photos and few of them probably ended up in the bin mm-hmm. by mistake. As they do mm. when you're scru- scrounging through things. Mm. So I was talking to Papa John a bit about, you know, your story last night. So you started working when you were 14. Um, well, I used to help my mum. She used to be cleaner at school all around at Alice there, government offices. So, you know, I was one of the second elders, so... The older one might have been at home looking after the younger siblings. Dad was out bushworking. Um, so one of us would sort of go along with mum and help out. I remember scrubbing the 
black scuff shoe scuff marks off the stairs at the high school that I attended. So, you know, every other kids went home and I'd be going back there with mum cleaning the stairs and loos, toilets. So sort of learned that work ethic from a young from age. From a young age. And then started working in the tourist industry when I was 16 and a half. So you had to hit the ground running. The season back then before flash air conditioning and resorts, there was sort of run with a generator. So and people didn't have air-conditioned coaches really. So it was a short, sharp sort of a tourist season. And then over the summer, everything sort of closed down and started back up again in the cooler weather, March, April. Mm -hmm. So you did everything like kitchen, uh, you know, the housemaid stuff, doing the rooms, cleaning the rooms for the next busload of tourists. You'd be in the laundry next minute. There were long hours. Mm. That's pretty pretty different, I'd say, to what, you know, I've been lucky enough to experience, not having to have those responsibilities at yeah. such a young age. Well, you know, money was short at home, so my older sister and I, our wages went towards helping um, pay the bills, you know, helping out mum and dad with the younger siblings, food, electricity, that type of thing. We never really had a good car. When we did have a car, we went bush at every opportunity. So mum spent a bit of time growing up in the bush as well. So she passed that down to us, how to look for bush food, but just the love of the bush. Mm -hmm. So we've passed that down to our three children and grandchildren now. You know, they might fly in from Adelaide and the first thing they want to do is go bush. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, and we're, and we're lucky, or well, I feel lucky enough to be able to, you know, have a homeland beyond Nana's country. A lot of mob back in Victoria don't have that or where their homeland would be, there's a KFC or a McDonald's and whatnot. I always say this, I can't thank my mother-in-law enough for like, giving me the opportunity, things that she's taught me over the, over 40 years now been part of the family and what she's taught me um, that I pass on to my children and a bit of the language as well um, and just their tenacity I guess for fighting to to get back on country and they were locked out for decades and decades and decades when the pastoralists came in put up fences and gates pushed all the traditional people onto reserves and missions and they took over everything. They couldn't even come in and visit the waterholes. They felt like they were trespassing. You know, people were, you know, if you come across the station manager or the owner, you were hunted like a dog of the country that you were born and grew up. Mm -hmm. And how, how would you feel? Um, so it's hard to even imagine how I'd feel because I've never experienced something like that. Yeah, so yeah lucky it enough. Broke a lot of people. They just gave up. They just didn't bother. And but you know, Grandpa Bruce and Annabess and a lot of the other traditional owners around here fought hard and they never gave up. And look at us today. We're sitting here enjoying this beautiful, beautiful country. The red sand and the birds, you know, all the animals, 
-hmm. We've had a lot of rain recently, so the birds are breeding like anything and we've got flocks of beautiful green budgies flying above us all day long feeding mm -hmm. on the seeds um, you know there's bush bustards there's goannas and printies you know like we've just come out of a bit of a drought here dry times and a lot of the kangaroos you know dropped off but they'll come back but um, we visit the water holes, which are sacred, and you know we make sure we clean up after ourselves. We don't leave a mess. We don't respect the country. Yes, you know respect our country. Absolutely, so that people can enjoy it. Mm -hmm. So when Mum Bessie came back here, and you know wanted to, we used to come out in the tents and camping and. The, hot or rain cold so we said let's build a shed and look at us now look at it it's more than a shed it's a little mini town so it's in time perspective when was that when were you camping on tents and you going know? on nine years ago now our uh, 10 years this is the 10th year coming up wow. 10th year we've been here weekend in and weekend out yes yeah mm. you know just and this place is built about 80% recycle material. Really? Eight, up to 80%. Wow. Where do you but get the material to, from? Um, oh, lawn sales, auctions. We're lucky we had a bit of space in town where we could store this stuff and as soon as we could borrow a truck off a relative or, you know, we'd hire a car trailer. You know, we had to, to buy a car, a V8 car to haul this stuff you know, a pallet of cement, and steel. So this, so where we're sitting right now, how many k's is that away from Alice? 225. So yep. 135 of South Stewart Highway, sealed road, and then about 85 kilometres of dirt road, which most of the time is great, but recently we've had over 200 um, mils of rain. And it's destroyed a lot of the road. But the roadworks people generally keep it in good repair because it's actually a shortcut to Rataka National Park, Kings Canyon. So we're in a good position here um, to do a little bit of tourism, to bring people from mainly the East Coast here to do cultural immersion stuff like... Um, High school kids, businessmen. Um, of, of course, if we're living here permanently, we need some income. And we're also growing bush food. I don't know if anyone's mentioned that. Um, no, no one has. Kamparapa bush could, raisin. Yeah, please explain Desert a bit. Desert bush raisin, Kamparapa, and Kwandong, which we call Mangata. Which so we like use for peach. earrings and stuff as well. The seeds, mm -hmm. the seeds of the Kwandong, yes. Mm -hmm. We make jewellery. Mum Bess is an artist. She's for decades, you could say a pretty competent wood carver, like you know, making music sticks and or clap sticks, some people call them, and 
little lizards and burning beautiful designs in them with a hot eye sitting by the fire and um we've got a couple of them in our house big lizards big goannas with all the carvings yes so dating back to the 60s when the first tourists passed by the homestead door on their way to Uluru very first tourist in Central Australia. So taking it back to what we were talking about the f- before, the amount of work you mob put in every weekend um, with the outstation, you know, I'm looking around and there's how many buildings? One, two, three, four, five, six substantial buildings. Right, so and most of this stuff is recycled material. Absolutely. Um, The only thing we've really had to purchase has been cement and C-section steel for our main structure of our buildings. But with Mum's house was a carport in somebody's backyard in Alice Springs. (laughs) And they they just um, sheared it off at the footings and so we had an extra trust made up so that we could make a one-bedroom kind of little unit for her. And the only time we've had a cement truck out here, and, you know, that was about $5,000, was to do the slab for her house. But everything else, all the other buildings, the, um, the, the floors have been... Um, hand mixed here with a cement mixer. Wow. So this is 225Ks out of Alice Springs and the amount of material that is here, the amount of things that are here, it's hard to even believe that how many trips you would have had to done, how many trailers you would have had to hire, unpacking, packing. Absolutely. And um, we've had our tandem trailer reconditioned three or four times. You know, the corrugations have loosened the floor of the trailer we've had to have it um re-welded and you know you've got to keep the registration up and maintenance to all these vehicles but originally when we came we cut some local timber to make our first bathroom just two toilets and two showers um our sons hauled in one of their mates who was a plumber got him to come and plumb up our first press button toilet before that it was a long drop a bush, bush toilet. So now it's an electric toilet. Electric? Is yeah, that flushing, saying? you know, yeah, water yeah, flushing yeah. toilet. Yeah. But there's a lot of, yes, so we first thing we also did was plant a lot of fruit trees so that we would have fresh fruit. We wanted to be self-sufficient and, um, you know, we had to watch out for white ants because um, they're sort of, bit of a problem in this sort of country and or anywhere and then a lot of shade trees like fast growing river gum trees um so why are the white ants a problem well certain plants they will attack and um kill the moths but we don't like using pesticides things like that so mm-hmm. we just keep an eye on them but um the, the country here is really good for growing food Mm-hmm. Um, melons and tomatoes, so we know that we can be pretty self-sufficient. 
down the trek. So taking it back to healing country, I mean, first things first, having most of this material as being recycled, that's that's a massive step. You know, there's a lot of um, a lot of overuse and waste of materials. Well, if you look um, around here at the amount of material, um, they're from demolition jobs in Alice Springs. We've, we've got a really great uh, – our town council there has built a really good recycle shop. Like I said, prior to that, we would attend auctions well before the recycle shop, auctions – garage sales, um, you know, all the pine logs you see are all recycled, the iron, and we've got friends who in town now that know what type of materials we'd be after, so they give us a call and say, you know, quickly, come, I've just seen a whole heap of um, cool room panels down at the recycle shop. They'd be really good for your place out there, really good insulation for your buildings, and We'd virtually drop what we were doing and race home and get the trailer and ute and, you know, you had to strike, well, well I'm as hot, yeah, while well, you can. Yep. Otherwise, there's a lot of people in, around town into recycling as well, not just us, not just us. That's good. But we haven't sat back and waited for the government to give us a hand out here. We've... Um, gone and know what we want and got it there's that much what do you call this stuff here cyclone tin roofing mm-hmm. that we use for fencing and roofs and for our walls well that's you that's, know that's self-determination right there will last forever you know, that's one thing we find with our young people is trying to teach them about self-determination and not waiting to get things but going out in life and grabbing them yeah, I mean, there's a lot of people that think we're crazy, I think, but um, we're, we're hoping to slow down a little bit and say no more projects, no more projects. <laughs> then we look around and there's, oh, we can build, you know, there's a couple of shed frames there. What can we build with this? And so, you, so we quietly whisper to Uncle though, sitting over there, dear old... Pop Paul. Pop Paul, who's... Dropped what he was doing in Darwin four years ago and came down to give us a hand. We're forever grateful to him. He, There's nothing he doesn't know anything about. <laughs> he taught me to tile. There you go. He taught me to tile and... Pretty deadly family we've got here. And he warned me once. He said, you need to clean the glue between the tiles. And I thought, oh, we've got to get back to town. We've got work tomorrow. We've you know, so I left it and then following week I got blisters from having to virtually chisel out the dried glue between the tiles without cracking the tiles before you prepare the the um, tiles for grouting. Mm. So, so one thing I want to know, so you and Papa John, pretty iconic couple, yeah? Where, where, what was the love story behind this? This is this is the dirt. This is what the people want to hear is the love story because you know we look at you two and it's pretty crazy and see well, how you mob us. Forty six years this year. Forty six years with <laughs> Papa John. How'd you do it? I'm just joking. I think we're pretty compatible. Um, Both hardworking, good looking. Well, he dazzles me with his blue eyes. Oh, 
Oh. And his long lashes. Yep. You know? Um, I've got the daughter-in-law over there nodding her head. <laughs> <laughs> Uncle Ryan looks a lot like yeah, his so father. Yeah, we, so we, I was working at Bush in a, like I said, my first job in the tourist industry mm-hmm. and he happened to pass by and, you know, didn't live too far away and um, so I only stayed out there for about four months working mm-hmm. and it was probably a couple of years well, maybe 12 months, 18 months after, we met up again at the Alice Springs show. Ooh. I was innocently wandering around with my friends and suddenly he appeared and that was... That was the end of it. That was the end of it. I, I don't know where my friend disappeared, but... <laughs> <laughs> uh, you were just starstruck. Well... Yeah, it's a bit like, um, you know, herding cattle or something, you know. I just got herded one side and <laughs> I shouldn't say it like that, but <laughs> yeah, he wasn't going to let me out of his sight, you could say. I'm sure he felt the exact same way. <laughs> so, yes, that, that was it. And um, like I said, pretty compatible, both the love for the bush and... Sort of simple things in life. Um, same ethics, I suppose, you know. Grow the kids up. Three sons. Three beautiful sons. Um, three sons? Wait. John, Daniel and Ryan. Have I ever met? No, I thought, I thought. So John currently lives in Alice Springs. He's got an 11-year-old daughter. Daniel lives in Perth. He's been there about eight years. His son is soon to be 18 in a couple of months' time. Mm-hmm. He's completing year 12 in Perth. Um, and Ryan has lived in Sydney for about eight years, working in the television industry. Uncle Ryan, get over here. Please. Oh, that's the dirt that I wanted to get from this. Yeah, that's what I wanted, the love story. I want you. You know who it was, Joni Corby. Me and Joni Corby were, you know, mum of it all there and... Probably Dad was breast in the bar at Traeger Park. You know when they used to have a show at Traeger Park? Yeah. With old Keepy Campbell and Uncle Don Campbell and all them of there. All the yeah. cowboys come to town. And yeah, yeah. Handing out money here, you kids. Here. So Uncle Ryan. Did she, she tell you that? What, what it was like going to the show in the old days when the cowboys would come to town? What, they would give you our money? Yeah. What was it like? Um... All the old uncles, I can't say names now because most of them have passed away, but mm. even though they had big families of their own, um, you know, like all the men would meet up at the bar there at Traeger Park where they used to hold the annual show in the day and everybody would be happy and the kids and, you know, all the families and the uncles would be handing out a couple of dollars here, feeling sorry for us kids, you know. 
even though they had you know seven eight kids of their own still hand us a couple of dollars um people would be sitting on the lawn all the families talking chatting you know like catching up because in those days um mid 60s to mid 70s a lot of people still worked on the cattle properties out bush and only came to down every four six months you know they'd stay out save their money um, you know I can remember back in the early 60s the uncles would come to town that back in the day lots of um, the single men they they'd, they'd live with their relations you know they'd come to town and we always found room for them or they throw their swag on the back veranda or mm -hmm. in the backyard somewhere and all us little girls would do their washing for them and they'd just get into clean change and down the pub they'd go you know like <laughs> um have a few coldies and catch up with other people they may not have seen mm -hmm. for six or twelve months proper cowboys proper cowboys and the railway workers as well. One, you know, a couple of the uncles worked on the railways, maintenance crews. You know, before the modern rail line, which is pretty, you know, um, maintenance-free these days. Back in the days, you know, the train would always be derailed because of flooding, and so they needed these men to go down and help get the rail line straightened out for the um, rail to keep, you know, bringing the goods goods and passengers up to Central Australia. So those old uncles that worked for the railway, they employed a lot of Aboriginal people, That's like all the pastoral. There wasn't a lot of mining around Alice Springs that I can recall. I'd say Altunga would have been closed down a long, long time before I can remember. Wolfram up at Hatches Creek where my mum lived when she was a teenager. Mm -hmm. Her aunt and uncle, her uh, uncle worked the mines and her aunt was who raised her from two-year-old um, was the local policeman's um, housekeeper. So she she would go over and do a few hours work. She would wash his uniform and press it with the old iron and put the tea on and sweep and mop the house out and... Then she'd have to walk back over the hill for a couple of k's to her place. Um, there's a lot of Aboriginal people, Chinese people, mm -hmm. you know, non-Aboriginal people, Italian people all working in the mine, mm -hmm. Afghan descendants. Wow. A lot of different races. A lot of different races. My great-grandfather had a camel train he brought goods up from South Australia into mm -hmm. Central Australia the old Tunga gold fields mm -hmm. big history big history <laughs> it's pretty crazy sitting around the fire and just being able to hear all these stories yeah you know you don't you don't get to do that that often well I don't we're so caught up in with our work, you know, because some people might say we're more materialistic these days. We want all the good things in life, so that's 
I'm definitely that. <laughs> well, I'm guilty of that. Absolutely. We we want to we we were always poor growing up, and we you know, dream of having the good things in life, and so you have to work hard for that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there comes a point when you get a bit older and you think it doesn't matter as much, and that you just want to enjoy some time. Um, just sitting in the bush, and we're never lonely here. We're never frightened. We just. It's just so beautiful, everything, the hills, the trees, the animals. It's amazing here. Yes. It's just stunning. We're so lucky to Like I say, we're very like privileged this. that um, mum-in-law, and you know, there's what, four generations, how many generations here today? Five. Five generations are sitting here today. Matilda's one-year-old, she's sleeping in her mum's arms over there. Quinya, she looks so It's cute. her first trip here. And she's lucky enough, Melbourne. you know, with Nana. On country too. Wow. Great, great grandmother. Great, great. Who can say they have been alive with their great, great, great grandmother? Great, grandmother. Wait, I have. No, I haven't. No. Great grandmother. Yep. Yeah, so good genes. Very, Very good, good genes. genes in this family. We've got a lot of good genes. Good looking. But deadly. It's not just good genes. It's, yeah, it's looking after your health and your well-being. Mm-hmm. And that's what happens here is there's a lot of um, well-being taking place people a lot of healing we're, we're happy that mum best can come back here and reminisce about riding the camels and donkeys around and mm-hmm. with their hunting dogs walking for miles and miles on end they knew living off the land living off the land mm-hmm. Not many can, people can say that now that they've lived off the land completely. Yeah, I can't imagine it. But people who visit here think, well, it's a barren wasteland. What? Where's the food? Well, up on the hill there, um, we can go over there and dig a widgety grub mm-hmm. or two. We don't go crazy. Um, or there's some bush passion fruit down near the bore there. There might be some bush bananas with all this rain. Bush bananas. Mm. Oh, I love bananas. I like to eat some, some of those. Grana ate half of my banana today, so that's pretty traumatising. Oh, they're growing wild here everywhere too, the Kamparapa. So uh, do you, does, has Uncle Ryan helped out much with this place? What's he done this weekend? We've had him digging holes and um, lining up some post logs. We're building a little outdoor kitchen mm-hmm. off our main kitchen, so we do our camp oven, oven cooking. Yep. Um, so we, like, Grandpa's pools put a little, connected some water for us, so we'll set up a sink. Mm-hmm. But it's a place where you can keep fit because there's a lot of walking between the buildings, lifting, They're close enough but far enough apart, mm-hmm. um, and you know maintaining the garden, make sure our shade trees are growing, and we'll have a lot of shade in a few more years. Um, well, what can I say? It's hard work. You have to <laughs> before you hit the road, before you leave town, you've got to make sure. Oh, 
You know, there's only one little roadhouse between here and town. Don't even get me started. I was up yesterday. I'm just going to say it once, maybe four times. 6.30, I was up, had my gear on. I was ready to go. And these mobs still asleep, I'm just saying. We aim to leave at 9am. We left at 1.30. So, but um, what I'm saying is you have to make sure you've got everything to come out to a place like this. We have biggest mob jerry cans filling them up. So we don't conk out. Because if you want to drive around and visit some of the really special places around here, we had a couple of visitors here from the top end and they were amazed by some of the couple of the places we took them and the stories that John told, that um, things that occurred here in the 1930s. You know, that his parents have passed down to him the stories. Um, how harsh it was. What type of people, non-Aboriginal and Aboriginal people, how they sort of coexisted in this area. Sometimes it wasn't... There wasn't a happy ending for that. There, there's not too far over here. There's a little police station, a stone where Aboriginal people were locked up because... Was that what I was talking about before? Yeah. Mm. We went, remember we went visited with Nana? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we're respectful of their memories, that the sadness and whatever they had to go through, suffering and um, losing family members, you know, like... So it's never far from our mind. You know, in each direction there would have been people... We. One evening we're sitting here and we're um, on the internet looking at the old welfare, stories of the old welfare days where a welfare or a patrol officer was pursuing an Aboriginal man over something. Maybe there was a death or something and you know, how he pursued him on horse or camel, whatever it was. Some of the nicknames they gave people, mm. Aboriginal people. Do you think that Alice Springs is starting to get more progressive or do you think that there's a long way to go? A long way to go, absolutely. I wish more people would go out of their way to try and learn some of the Aboriginal language so you can help with the communication, mm-hmm. particularly in the hospital and legal s- s- settings where... Hospital patients, Aboriginal people make up, what, 80% or more of hospital patients? In Alice Springs? Yes. And we know that people, you know, because of the language barriers, that people may get mistreated, you know, like the treatment medications and things like that, Mm -hmm. or their ailments, you know. Yeah. Um, You know, the... Legal system, the education system. Well, yeah, what about the legal system down here towards blackfellas? What is it? What's it like? I'm not too up on that, but there's... Um, Grant? High incarceration of Aboriginal men mm-hmm. and there's there's no, not a lot of guidance for the young... Young mob. Kids, particularly the young men coming, coming through, coming of age and that because... You know, a lot of the 
and I'm not saying, you know, there's every person there might be in prison. There's tons and tons of men out bush, you know, living good lives. And so it's only this, I guess, it's not an accurate picture, mm-hmm. really. There's so many people in the bush who who are living their lives, they don't get caught up in with alcohol and um, other stuff in town, mm-hmm. homelessness and that type of thing. There's people that really come to town because they don't want want that, no? They come into town to visit family who might be sick in hospital or for treatment for themselves. There's hundreds and thousands of people living out in the remote communities that you know, don't frequent town, so it's easy to generalise and stereotype people. Yeah, that's what Papa John was talking about before or maybe last night. You know, there's a lot of um, negative stereotypes around blackfellas, yes, but it's yes. more, you know, that's not everyone. and Particularly men. Mm-hmm. Particularly men. It seems to be... Um, you know, because, you know, he has a lot of contact with men in his employment through his workplace. So, mm-hmm. you know, they're fighting hard to... Change it. Change that viewpoint that's out there. Um, mm-hmm. You know, not every... And it's not just men, there's women too who... Involved in domestic violence. Mm-hmm. Yep. We see it. On the street. We see it. You know, people, mainly it's alcohol, influenced by alcohol, a lot of that behaviour. There's just too many bottleos, you know. It's particularly, I think they should be kept out of supermarkets. People should be able to go to do their shopping without, um, you know, back in the day they that you had to go through a drive-through or a proper pub. You know they didn't have these alcohol outlets attached to super every supermarket in town. Yeah, I was uh, NITV did a uh, I think it was NITV did a special recently on the new Dan Murphys up in I think it's Darwin, is it? Darwin. Yeah, it's big big Dan Murphys, and um, they said they consulted with the elders, but despite what the elders said, they moved it. I think it was 500 metres down the road compared to what they had. Could, mm. I may be wrong on this, but just even that. Yes. You know, if, if our mob is saying, yeah. don't do it, don't do it. Yeah. We're trying to get rid of this violence and just change these making cards. Making it but too easy to have access to it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's not going to be solved if... Um, in a hurry, that issue. You know, back in the day, they did have some communities did have wet canteens, but that's up to the community to decide. They have to live there, so the liquor commission has to listen to those community members. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there are still some wet canteens, mainly in the top end. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Well, thanks, Arnie Lorraine, for sharing your stories with us today. 
you know, I'm really grateful and it's really special to me that you've come on the podcast. You know, I know it's a bit of a struggle for everyone this morning, but yeah. I got you on, so thank you. Yeah, I mean, I can't wait till I sort of slow down a bit and am able to try and, you know, document some of this to pass down to younger ones, children and grandchildren. Yep. That's I, what we all need. All of us have got a story to tell. We should never forget that. We should document. It wasn't until my parents passed away that it really hit me. So I say to people, don't wait for that to happen. Do it now. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of regrets that you live with. But there's also, I guess, with, you have to be very sensitive because there's some painful um, parts of life that people, you know, my dad, for instance, was put in an orphanage at um, eight years old because both his parents had passed. No relatives took them on, so I don't know what things might have happened to him in that orphanage. Mm -hmm. And then he went off, as soon as he was old enough, 14, sent out to work on farms. You don't know if he, how well he was treated. And as soon as he was old enough, he enlisted in the army and went to Korea. Wow. So just, you know, what type of a life is that? And I never forgot with Dad. He wasn't the perfect dad, but I never... Um, you know, I, I had a couple of family members might have thought, oh, he's not a good father. And I said, just hold on a minute. He was an orphan at eight. You know, like, just have a bit of, think about it. Why he might have acted the way he did sometimes, abusing alcohol and a bit of domestic violence that we had to witness. There's no excuse for that, but... Mm -hmm. um, Yes, so, and not, you know, being grown up by strangers or your aunt and uncle, as in my mum's case, um, but, gen you know, they overall they had good values and, you know, I can remember having to say grace, you know, when we, before we ate a meal, so they passed on some good values to us. Mm. Yeah, well, thank you for sharing that story. That's pretty special. Thanks, Annie Lorraine, or Nana Lorraine, as of six months ago. Even um, that Kmart sign. Like, Do you want to know the story? Yeah. yeah, give us a story. So you mob, I'll, I'll film this after and put this on the Instagram, but, you know, we talk about recycled materials and now we've got a Kmart customer car park sign to our limit, so I don't know how they managed to get that out here, but... I was with my sister, younger sister, and we're cruising through the hills north of Alice Springs looking for bush bananas. We knew it had rained recently and we'd go to our, where we know that we will find some food, bush food, just to have a taste while it's in season. And I'm not sure who it was her or myself. Hey, look down there, there's a sign. I could use that sign. I'll recycle it. But it, I had to... Go back in the ute, it was a bit clandestine, like I had to, you know, make sure no one saw us loaded on. <laughs> I was almost going to ring Kmart up and say, hey, I found one of your signs in the hills, do you want it back? You know? So I'm, I've got to measure it again because I want to get a nice sign made up and 
tech screwed onto that one. Oh, so you're not going to so, leave the Kmart? No way. Gives it a bit of character. Oh, you think so? Maybe, yeah. Maybe we'll put the sign on the other side. I kind of like it. I reckon the Kmart gives it character. Might get bit the of police a... turning up here one day. <laughs> <laughs> I You've just cannot things? imagine the story behind how it ended up out there in the hills in the bush. <laughs> how? <laughs> Who would even bother to do that? To do that. I can't imagine funny. the story behind that, but maybe I'd better ring them up and get permission to have it here. Yeah, true. <laughs> Thanks, Honey Lorraine. That's probably my favourite part of the day. Thanks, everyone, for joining us on Mob Talk this week. If you like this podcast, please share it with your friends and don't forget to chuck us a follow on Instagram. And we'll see you all for another yarn soon. Uh-huh.